Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of May 2013. For newcomers, make sure you go, to, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and make good use of it because there's lots and lots of audios for free download where I go through the system, the big system that's global, of course, uh, that runs the world and how it was set up, the people that set it up, the organizations that are all participating in it for over 100 years where they plan to go and how they've even got us to this stage where we are today because every facet of society, including the cultural changes per nation, had to be designed per nation to get us to the stage where we are today. And it's been very, very successful, as you know. It's taught through the schools, all the changes, and all the children prepared for the, the changes they'll even experience in their lifetime. It's all planned in advance because we're living through a script, you might say, a big long agenda with 50-year plans, 100-year plans, and so on for different parts of it to be fulfilled. And right now we're going through the big, the big, big phase because the 21st century is the age of transition. It's the, it's the age of change, you might say, where all the old hopes, the, the elites, uh, will come to fruition where they have their planned society, uh, a proper society where the people at the bottom will have no free will at all, basically. And in fact, eventually they'll even design the people they want to serve them and work for them and labor for them, etc., etc. That's where all our tax money goes to, apart from building out their banks. So... Make sure you make good use of it. You find the history of it and how the world is really, really run and how these big foundations, tax-free exempt foundations, uh, financed thousands of non-governmental organizations across the world, very, very powerful groups that constantly lobby governments, but they also put their own men from the CFR and Royal Institute of International Affairs into governments too. They've done it for a 100 years across the whole world. Remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you because I need you to help me take along here because what I do is pretty expensive. It's not a business what I do. It's just a, an essential thing that had to be done at the time and come out and change the whole way that people were looking at the world and the changes to, to show them that it really was a world agenda and what was happening in one country was happening across the whole planet at the same time with all the laws that were implemented. It's all standardized. So if you want to buy the books and discs I have, and the books, as I say, go, go through chronology, the art of controlling the masses with lots and lots of cons with straight faces. And, of course, you've been trained to have your favorite newscasters. That's why they pay them so much money to stay on until they're falling off their chair with age. That's because you grew up with them and you believe them like father figures. They stare at you every night at 6 p.m. and they wouldn't tell you lies, would they? And, uh, of course, that's simple conology. It works awfully well. And people really take their opinions to heart and believe it and repart it too. Very simple techniques. And so... As I say, you can get the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders, or you can say in cash or use your PayPal. You'll find out how to do it on the website. And also, uh, across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through inflation. 
and devaluation of the currencies in preparation for the big global system to completely take over all finances, which is happening right now, in fact. But, as I say, a long time ago, the Royal Institute for International Affairs came up with a plan. Uh, They inherited the plan from the Milner Group, Lord Milner, and Lord Alfred Milner uh, ran a group in Oxford University that met there every so often. They recruited from that school too, and their idea was to take over the world and all of its resources and run all the finances across the world, and they set up the Bank for International Settlements. They also set up the IMF later on, and the, the, and, the, this, and the World Bank too. And they also said that eventually they would cause the crisis to make things happen, to give them more and more power and bring them up to their proper status. It's happening today, folks, 100 years later. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I've I've talked before many, many times about the whole banking system and how it was set up, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, that runs all the media and so on. Uh, These guys set up a system to take over basically all information in the world too, and motivate all businesses across the world to do their bidding, not the business's bidding. In fact, when you go into the big, big boys like Goldman Sachs, you find masses lists of big international corporations which they own. They own the top shares in them all. So the bankers run the world. And they get off with murder, literally murder, in fact, across the world as well, because it's too big to fail, as you say. In other words, we're given no alternative to this one system that's been here for a long time, a system of banks that always plunders you at least twice a century. That's its record. And lots of times in between and and smaller scales, but it goes on and on and on. And they're not going to change it because, you see, the world is run by money. And those who control the money control the armies, governments, everything. Money is at the top of the pyramid. Very, very simple. And they're not going to change it or give it away their power over over money. Now, it says, a former insider at the World Bank, senior counsel Karen Hudes, as it's Hudes or Hudes, I'm not sure how it pronounces, says a global financial system is dominated by a small group of corrupt, power-hungry figures centered around the, priv- the privately owned U.S. Federal Reserve. The network has seized control of the media to cover up its crimes too, she explained. In an interview with a new American, Hud said that when she tried to blow the whistle on multiple problems at the World Bank, where she worked, uh, she was fired for her efforts. Now along with a network of fellow whistleblowers, Hud's is determined to expose and end the corruption and she's confident of success. Well, I wouldn't be so confident that people have tried this before. Citing an explosive 2011 Swiss study published in the Plaus One journal on the network of global corporate control, Hudson pointed out that a small group of entities, mostly financial institutions and especially central banks, exert a massive amount of influence over the international economy from behind the scenes. What is really going on is that the world's resources are being dominated by this group. Well, that's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs said. They remember, too, they, they formed themselves out of the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner, who was a banker, and the Cecil Rhodes Foundation with Lord Rothschild. And they did set out to take over the resources of the world. That's written by their own personal historian for, for the CFR, wrote that. 
the guy who had access to their archives. So there's still added, of course. So she, this woman says here, back to this article, she says they're taking over the world's resources and they dominate this, but they're dominated by this group. She added that the corrupt power grabbers have managed to dominate the media as well. Well, you see, out of this group, they, they, they created the CFR in the U.S. and they run the media as well as the banks. They're all members, you see. And she says they're being allowed to do it. Well, they are the bosses. That's why they allow themselves to do it. According to the peer-reviewed paper, which presented the first global investigation of ownership architecture in the international economy, transnational corporations form a giant bow-tie structure. A large portion of control, meanwhile, flows to a small, tightly-knit core of financial institutions. The researchers described the core as an economic super-entity that raises important issues for policymakers and researchers. Of course, the implications are enormous for citizens as well. As his hunt is an attorney who spent uh, two decades, 20 years, working in the World Bank's legal department, has observed the, the machinations of the network up close. I realize we're now dealing with something known as state captures, which is where the institutions of governments are co-opted by the group that's corrupt, she told the New American in a phone interview. The pillars of the U.S. government, some of them are dysfunctional because of state capture. This is a big story, and it's a big cover-up. At the heart of the, the network, HUD says, are 147 financial institutions and central banks, especially the Federal Reserve, which is created by Congress but is owned by essentially a cartel of private banks. This is a story about how the international financial system was secretly gamed, mostly by central banks. They're the ones we're talking about. The central banks, bankers have been gaming the system. I would say that this is a power grab. Now, we've all heard about the, the LIBOR scandal and so on, and the U.S. is exactly the same, and how they set interest rates amongst themselves, etc., etc., etc. It says the Fed in particular is at the very center of the network and, and the cover-up. Has continued citing a policy and oversight body that includes top government and Fed officials. Central bankers have also been manipulating gold prices, she added, echoing widespread concerns that the new American has documented extensively. Indeed, even the inaccurate World Bank financial statements that Hudson has been trying to expose are linked to the U.S. central banks. The group we're talking about from the Zurich study, that's the Federal Reserve. It has some other pieces to it, but that's the Federal Reserve, she says. So the Federal Reserve secretly dominated the world economy using secret interlocking corporate directorates and terrorizing anybody who managed to figure it out, that they were, they were uh, having any kind of role and putting people in very important positions so that they could get a free pass. And it's true enough. It's all, see, understand that warfare has many ways of, of, of being carried out. And you forget that economic warfare is one of the most powerful things there is. It's probably the most powerful. Because when you, when you conduct it properly, you can flatten countries financially. Uh, the, the armies go away when they're not getting paid. Not, they're, they're completely impotent. This is a shadowy but immensely powerful bank for international settlements. That's the, the big one that the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, set up and run. Serves as a club of these private central bankers, has continued. Uh, now, uh, are people going to want interest on their, in their country's debts to continue to be paid by, to that group when they find out the secret tricks that the group has been doing? Don't forget how they've enriched themselves extraordinarily and how they've taken taxpayer money for the bailouts. As far as interviewing uh, in the, or intervening in the gold prices, Hunt said it was an effort by the powerful network in its central banks to hold onto its paper currency. 
a suspicion shared by many analysts and even senior government officials. The World Bank whistleblower also said that contrary to official claims, she didn't believe there there was any gold being held in Fort Knox. Actually, I think they took it all out in World War II uh, because it came out in some documentaries about some massive finds of of sunken ships from the U.S., en route from the U.S. during World War II that were sunk by German U-boats. And um, uh, it's very good documentaries. You should look them up yourselves. You'll find them on the Internet. But uh, they sent down these deep diving uh, bells and so on, these robots, and they, they were bringing up big, massive boxes of gold bars that the U.S. was sending during World War II via Greenland. They passed on the way. And... Um, and uh, this was all deemed for Russia. But why? It was never explained why it was going to Russia, because they were not on the gold standard. They didn't use it. So were they simply put in there for safekeeping, or was it some pals of those around Russia running the U.S. too? That's more like it, I think. Anyway, back to the article, it says here, even congressmen and foreign governments have tried to find out if the precious metals were still there, but they met with little success. Hudsever believes the scam will eventually come undone. She says, it's like crooks trying to figure out where they can go hide. It's a mafia, she said. These culprits that have grabbed all this economic power have succeeded in infiltrating both sides of the issue, so you'll find people who are supposedly trying to fight corruption who are just there to spread disinformation and as a placeholder to trip up anybody who manages to get their act together. Those thugs think that if they can keep the world ignorant, they can bleed it longer. So, of course, the major corruption at the highest levels of government and business is not a new phenomenon. Georgetown University historian and professor Carl Quigley, the mention here, who served as President Bill Clinton's mentor, for example, wrote about the scheme in his 1966 book, Tragedy and Hope, A History of the World in Our Time. He also wrote an awful lot more, as it's worth reading, on, uh, called The Anglo-American Establishment. He really goes into it there. The heavyweight academic who was allowed to review documents belonging to the top echelons of the global establishment even complained how the corrupt system would work, remarkably similar to what Hudson described. He says the powers of financial capitalism had a far-reaching aim. This is what Quigley said. Nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole, he wrote Quigley, who agreed with the goals but not the secrecy. This system was to be controlled in a feudalist fashion by the central banks of the world acting in concert by secret agreements arrived at in frequent private meetings and conferences. The apex of the system was to be the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, a private bank owned and controlled by the world's central banks, which were themselves private corporations. And it goes on, quite a long uh, article actually, but I think uh, those who want to understand some of what's happening financially have to go into this angle of it because you won't, you won't understand what's happening until you do. You honestly won't. As this woman says, they're on both sides of the argument to cause massive confusion. And people just give up eventually and drop it. That's how disinformation works or counterintelligence. And also, we, we find that they're moving ahead to take over, uh, to plunder us all again, to bring in their new system. Each crisis they create from the banking system is to get a further grab of power over the public's purse and governments. That's why they caught the cause crisis. They even boast in the Council on Foreign Relations, how can we use this crisis to our advantage? They say this often and often and often. Many of them, even Hillary Clinton has used it too. And it's a CFR freeze because they create the crisis. And um, 
it says in this article here that, um, for instance, members of the European Parliament, so the whole thing with the European Parliament, first the, the Royal Society of International Affairs said they create trading blocks. And they'd merge the countries in together. They'd lose all their sovereignty eventually, and they'd put up a massive central bank. And that's what they've done with the European project. It's done. The U.S. is still to get its, so as to get flattened even further down the road. Maybe quite shortly, who knows? And and then you've got one for the Far East Pacific Rim countries too. And that's why they're flattening all these, these other countries in the Middle East as well, because, you see, this, they don't have the, the, this central banking system owned by uh, foreigners. They don't have that. So they're getting standardized. Now, the members of the European Parliament, it says, vote to protect small bank depositors. This is a con, as they say this, in fact. It says, um, large depositors in the EU will from 2016 be in line to suffer losses if a bank gets into serious trouble. And I'll go through this when I come back after this break. We're back, cutting in through the matrix, talking about the, the bank restructuring and so on, and how the boys cause the problems, big banking boys cause the problems, and they offer the, you the solution without causing the problem. They couldn't get to their target, their goal, you see, so they make it happen. And it says, large depositors in the EU will from 2016 be in line to suffer losses if a bank gets into serious trouble, but deposits under 100,000 euros should be fully protected, it says. Now, don't believe that for a minute. Because they'll push and push, as always do, when there's no backlash from anybody in the public or, or governments and so on. They'll simply push and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll do their haircuts, as I like to call theft of your deposits at the same time. But also, too, I remember a few years ago that the head of the World Bank said, too, they were going to encourage the public to stop saving their cash and get it out there. And so they did by frightening us all, you see, by using uh, Malta as, as an example. Not Malta, but um, Cyprus. Actually, Malta got hit too, but uh, they used them as an example to terrify everybody else so that those folk who have a, over 100,000 or over are finding other ways to get their cash out there generally through investments, and that's what the big boys want, have the money moving, you see, so they can plunder that, use that as well. So anyway, it says that 59 banks in the EU have been restructured following the start of the financial crisis as a European Commission. And the bail-in of any creditors should be done according to a clear hierarchy with depositors with savings over 100,000 euros last in line, while deposits under 100,000 will be fully protected, said Green Economic and Finance spokesperson Philip Lamberts. Green Economic, what's a Green Economic and Finance spokesperson? Someone who's sick or something? That says the votes amended to the European Commission's Bank Recovery and Resolution Proposal. So outline steps to ensure taxpayers won't have to fork out because financial institutions are too big to fail. Well, if they need taxpayers' money too, they'll get that as well, I guarantee you. You see, these guys are, are so big and powerful. Who you, have you looked at all the donations these boys hand out when, when a president, a guy's running for, for the presidency or a prime ministership? Have a look and see. It's published. And also this article here, it says the the European Central Bank, this big massive central bank, they set up this private bank again, right online with the the Bank for International Settlements and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR. ECB's Draghi says, it says imperative to set up a new bank body. 
See, caused a crisis last time, and he threw us up a new bank body now. European Central Bank President Mario Draghi said it was imperative that Europe's leaders create a new agency with powers to restructure busted banks in order to help the region leave its economic and financial crisis behind it once and for all. How can you do that when they keep stealing? In a text of a speech delivered in London Thursday, Draghi said the new agency would be able uh, would keep troubled banks from burdening governments throughout bail, billing costs. So by stealing it from the from the depositors, of course, thereby cutting the vicious link that has helped drive Europe's three-year crisis over too much debt. The agency, you know, what they've cost too in the last few years. They've cost the debt because every member of the EU has to hand millions, whatever they're demanded, eleven million, twelve million from Britain or wherever. They've got to give it within ten days by law because they signed a treaty, so they can help bail out Greece or Italy or some other country. They borrow the money to give out. See the circle? The agency uh, uh, dubbed the single resolution mechanism would be able to force banks, creditors and shareholders to take losses first when a bank goes under instead of getting the money from the taxpayers. European leaders have made a start on strengthening their banking system by agreeing to put the, the European Central Bank in charge of supervising banks. That's what it was set up to do. So the agenda written 100 years ago is all happening and coming to fruition and as we live. But they have not yet agreed on how to proceed with the resolution mechanism, of course they have. Together with a Europe-wide deposit guarantee scheme, these three measures would form the European Union's banking union, a key part of the 27 countries' bloc strategy to combat financial crisis. Putting the European Central Bank in charge of banking supervision was a first step that will pave the way towards severing the link between banks and the respective sovereigns. And, but to sever this link completely, it's also imperative to create a single resolution mechanism. So what a power you have eh, over all the country's finances. What a power. What a power. And then it goes on, this next one too. And it's the same sort of thing. The role of the European Banking Authority must be beefed up beyond current plans to ensure the regulation of Europe's banks does not fragment into two competing systems. One of the architects of the reforms told the public hearing Friday. In other words, they want one system uh, and not two. In other words, they want all the power in this European Central Bank. Jacques de Larosier, former head of the Bank of uh, France and the IMF, which is a big part of the same group under the World Bank and the BIS, said the European Central Bank's role in the European Banking Union was to supervise Eurozone lenders and at risk creating a, a duopoly that would split the bloc single market next year. The European Central Bank and the European Banking Authority, which will continue to supervise banks in non-banking union countries, would be a de facto duopoly, uh, the too-big-to-cooperate symptom, he told the, the hearing in Brussels. So they want to do away with uh, the second one, the European Banking Authority, and take all the power into themselves, basically. Quite something, how they get what they want, isn't it? Cause a crisis, offer the solution. And then Europe needs a more European UK, says the European Central Bank president. This is Draghi again. Now Draghi, remember too, was one of the top Goldman Sachs boys who worked on getting Greece into the Union, the one that failed, because they fudged all their books for them. Wait, something how his crooks just get off with it. But then again, who's going to touch them? Nobody. Back with more after this.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the meetings, talking about uh, Mario Draghi, uh, probably on about that Britain has to become more European, meaning, meaning that integrate more and more and more the, the cash system. That's what he's on about. And he said here that with such deep interconnections, the UK and the euro area share a common interest. The stability and the functioning of the economic system and the financial markets, he says. And he said here that more than twice as many euros are traded in the UK's foreign exchange market than in all the countries of the euro area combined and more than in the US. He added that the UK accounted for 40% of non-Eurozone deposits in Eurozone banks, and the single currency area was the UK's largest export market, uh, accounting for £200 billion of exports last year. The Italian central banker said he saw encouraging signs of tangible improvements in the UK and said Ireland, Spain and Portugal had made impressive improvements and so on and so on. However, he called on Europe's leaders to focus on securing economic stability and prosperity for the people of Europe by forging ahead with deeper integration. Now, the whole points of the EU is complete uh, integration and loss of all sovereignty. That was said many years ago uh, when they floated the idea of the, even the common market, as they wanted to call it then. Oh, it's just a trading group, a little board of guys would decide on trade and help out and stuff like that. Here they are, and they're going after total integration and complete ending of sovereignty. And with financial integration, that's it. Because that controls everything. Everything else is underneath the financial side, you see. So after a deep financial and economic crisis, we see the start of the European process, building on the agreement at the June 2012 summit. It's all done by treaties. The process ultimately entails some transfer of national sovereignty in the areas of budget and structural policies. Now, the IMF wants to do all the bookkeeping of all the countries in Europe, so that they'll be taking it all out of their hands. This is what it's about, too. Total takeover, complete monopoly, you see, by a small group of people who, who have been at this generation after generation, by the way, and the same families. He says, the speech on Thursday night came almost a year after he vowed to do whatever it takes to save the euro. Thursday night he said the answer to the crisis has not been less Europe, but more Europe. That's, that's the end of it, if that goes ahead, which it will, of course. Because, you see, as I say, all these top bankers and that, when they give cash out for any candidate to run as prime minister or president, then there's conditions attached to it, folks. It's not a gift. It's a payoff or a buy-off, if you like. That's how it's always been. It's totally corrupt. And another article too, I'll put it from the Irish Times on the same thing about the the new uh, b- uh, system of bailouts and how they're going to just give themselves the legal right to plunder the taxpayer. And the governments are all approving it. Yeah, so you st- not the taxpayer, but the depositors. Oh yes, okay. Yeah, well, well you can steal the, the, the money from the depositors. That's okay. And, and nothing will happen to you. You see as much as you want. Yeah. And you think you're living in some sort of expert run, upfront, decent, honest system? Where do you get this brainwashing from? It's right in your face. Right in your face. So you put your deposits in the bank and they come and steal it. And that's okay. That's okay. That's like taking your, your car to a garage. 
And when you go back to pick it up, they've taken the engine away and the wheels because they need them. And that's okay too. No difference. Now, for well over 30 years, every country... You can understand, you see, this global agenda, when it was set up a long time ago, and they wrote, they wrote a lot about it in the 1920s, from all areas into the 30s. And they talked about uh, experts to run, were going to get elevated through propaganda, massive propaganda, and the public would be trained to listen to experts and believe experts, because it was time for science to dis- displace all religions and become the new religion. And it has for most folk. And they would give it more and more authority as time went on. Now, we know this is the same thing with global warming, as these guys go around in, in, in circles trying to prove global warming. And they're all on board with it getting fantastic paychecks. They'd have no jobs at all, most of them, if it wasn't for the, the crisis they create with it. But the geoengineering has been going on for years, too. So experts have to come out, and, and the groups that control the experts are more important, because the same bunch, actually the bank boys at the top, and the big cabal at the top run, all of these things are happening today. A reality, in other words. But they also have been raising up experts for a long time to take more power over the healthcare system. And we know in the States, for instance, they have uh, said it's okay to start giving uh, children without parental consent various injections at school, or even to get into school, etc., Australia has just announced that um, through a bill that's been put through and passed, I think, and I'll try and find it again tonight, that uh, the government can, can sterilise children without parental consent. If any expert or anybody in the field of psychology or psychiatry says they may be mentally, may be mentally disabled. And, as I say, all the countries are, again, on board with this. There's only one agenda in the world running the whole planet. Right now, the countries that don't, are not in on it are getting bombed out of existence and, and all their stuff plundered right now, too. But it says the UK is building a DNA database in the National Health Service by stealth. Now, this is from guys in the know because from the public service for Europe, all the public employees. It says the plan, which is backed by British Prime Minister David Cameron, involves sequencing the DNA of everyone in England and adding this information as an attachment to each person's medical file, warns a campaigner. In April, the Caldicott Committee, uh, including British government chief scientist Mark Walport, proposed a new rules for data sharing electronic medical records. What they failed to make transparent is that genetic information, including whole genomes, will be integrated into medical records in the future as part of the plan uh, proposed by the Wellcome Trust. That big Wellcome Trust, this big charity foundation again. All foundations at the top, eh? You think they're about charity? They're about control, folks. It's all done through the, the guise of charities, charitable, multi-billion dollar foundations. So this plan, which is backed by United Kingdom Prime Minister David Cameron, involves sequencing the DNA of everyone. It says that the data will then be shared with commercial companies, including private healthcare companies, the pharmaceutical industry and web-based companies such as Google without people's knowledge or consent. 
claims by the Cameron administration that data will be anonymized by removing names are completely meaningless because identities could be deduced from other information such as age, medical conditions and postcode or by comparing genomes with DNA taken from a person's coffee cup or with information stored in public databases. Following statistical analysis of stored data, risk predictions made using computer algorithms will be fed back to individuals telling them the disease they are expected to develop in the future. This is all eugenics. Now, the big plan too, and, and Bertrand Russell talked about it, many other ones did too, they, they would create the perfect humans. Uh, a good book to read too, as one of the early members of this organization, a propagandist who wrote a lot of good fiction, mind you, because he was fed most of the information by professors in the top universities in England to get his ideas from, but that was H.G. Wells. And he was a propagandist for the, the, the Alfred Milner group that became the Royal Chief for National Affairs. And he promoted the left-wing side of it to try to get the working folk on board. And he wanted the working folk eventually to be wiped out, basically, or sterilized. And he mentions this in the modern utopia as worthwhile reading. Because eventually you won't be able to marry or mate or have children without permission. That's always been the agenda, folks. And this is from the government employees, uh, their own website for the whole Europe. So it raises serious concerns about government surveillance because it amounts to building DNA database National Health Service by stealth. As well as commercial companies, the police, security services and government departments will be able to track every individual and their relatives. And their relatives, you see. The data will be stored by the New Health and Social Care Information Centre. So Orwellian, health and social care information, social care, doesn't that sound wonderful, eh? And sold to private companies and government-run institutes worldwide, from the US to China. Other personal records stored by the government, for example, from social care and education, will be linked to people's electronic medical records and also shared in the future. There's also a danger that risk predictions will lead to stigma and discrimination from insurers and employees. Now, now, employers, we also know that already folk are being discriminated against because, you, and with workplaces for insurance and so on, or you might even get a job because one day you might develop this disease or you, you may, actually may is the, the term now, which is you may develop this or you may develop that. The objective of the plan is the creation of the creative destruction of the NHS so every individual has a personalized risk assessment from birth to death. So you're going to be created, you see, it's happening right now, actually, they're not telling you. But it's, it's happening, it is happening, this. If people agree to feedback of their health risk predictions, they'll be made available online where they can be used for uh, personalized marketing. It's expected to massively expand the healthcare market because everyone will become a patient from the cradle to the grave. Because you're all going to develop something, they'll claim, you see, even when they're not ill. The aim is to transform the NHS in line with proposals developed more than a decade ago by former GlaxoSmithKline chairman Sir Richard Sykes. He argued that genetic testing combined with pre-symptomatic medication could massively expand the drug market for healthy people. So you're all going to get drugged down the road. I mean, look how far they've gone already. Sykes' model for the NHS would allow patients to pay for extra medicines outside state funding while keeping the public health service only as a basic service for people who are ill, therefore allowing the pharmaceutical industry to increase its profits. And it goes on quite a bit, so I'll put this article up tonight with all the other articles at cutting through the matrix.com. But this is the future, folks. Actually, it's here. You know, the, the future is here, as I say. 
We know too after that um, slaughtering of uh, a public slaughter, an execution of that British soldier, of duty soldier in Woolwich in England, that um, this is part of really ethnic riots. You see, it's ethnic, it's ethnic uh, problems you have. And I said many years ago when I saw the massive amounts, I was abroad for a while, and I came back and I, I, I saw all these, all these different peoples and, and, and that suddenly come into Britain, masses of them. And uh, definitely foreigners from India, Pakistan, uh, and other countries. And I thought, what is going on here? It was so many at once. And I, I thought, you know, and then, then lots of Muslims too. And I said, down the road one day, the government's up to something. One day they're going to attack those people, people's home countries. And there's going to be mayhem. You can't get martial law if the people are homogenous, basically. And nothing's happening at home. But when you bring in the people that's going to eventually possibly be terrorists, you see, possibly be, they certainly won't be very happy what's happening to their old home countries. Uh, then you can put martial law down on everybody, you see, and give yourself total power. And that's what's happening today. They set up the chessboard way in advance. And that's how the world is run, like a big business plan. Corporations run their futures like this. Decide how many and what takeovers they want to have in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And investments too. And governments are the same way, because the same people who run them, you see. Anyway, in Sweden, as it goes on and on in Sweden too, uh, they've had rioting for every day and night for about three or four days now. They say Sweden, Sweden is now reinforcing police in the riot hit Stockholm. And there's still fires going on, they're setting the fires to cars and all the rest of it, and it's an ethnic area. And, uh, and again, all the immigration rights activists, who are many who came in themselves from other countries, not, not the countries from, from most of the immigrants actually, are the ones who agitate behind the scenes because they want to multiculturalize the country. And some of them even came in from uh, the US, by the way, uh, and New York. And uh, from another country, it's awfully well known. We can't say anything about. But they actually have uh, videos up there talking about that they're but they're behind uh, the massive multiculturalism. And they say that it must happen to Sweden. They must get rid of this monopoly of the, the blue-eyed blonde that Sweden's rather famous for. And they want the whole of Europe to go the same way. So there's much more, much much more behind this than they're telling you, and they won't tell you. You have to find it for yourself. But the information is there. And also in Australia, I mentioned Australia, but it's, uh, it's policies that are bringing in for sterilization of children. It says Australia's government is under fire after it appears to have introduced web censorship without warning, expanding already controversial powers to block access to child pornography into a wider web filtering system. They always use pornography, eh? That's why there's so much of it out there all run by the big boys. They can't stop it, apparently. Right? This is the reluctance of the government to, they can stop anybody else they want immediately, they know where it comes from, but no, they can't touch that. The reluctance of the government to release information about who has requested sites to be blocked and list of those sites has also alarmed many Australians. Two uh, conveners from Melbourne to Free University, um, as MFU, whose site was blocked without warning or explanation 4th of April, described as a glimpse of the everyday reality of living under totalitarian governments. I'll put that up tonight as well. And because it was on, it's quite a long article, quite lengthy. The French tax, of course, we probably all heard that this. Over 8,000 French households paid taxes topping 100% of their incomes, according to French Finance Ministry data. 
and says you may scratch your head in disbelief. How is it possible? Stateside, you might guess it was the ultimate, uh, the alternative minimum tax. In France, it was a one-time 2011 levy on incomes for households with assets over 1.3 million euros, which is, um, it says, 1.67 million dollars. 8,000 families paying 100% may seem a small uh, number, but nearly 12,000 households paid more than 75%. The percentage uh, percentages sure do great, it says. That's great on your nerves, that is. And it says there was bitter controversy when President Francois Hollande's socialist government imposed the tax surcharge shortly after taking office. It led to some well-publicized departures, including actor Gerard Depardieu. He became a Russian citizen, including dinner with Vladimir Putin. Uh, and, and other ones are flooding out the country as well, to Belgium and elsewhere. And of course, it's the, the French government saying, oh, they're unpatriotic and so on. But how can you be patriotic if you end up with nothing left for the socialist system? Called France. And I'll put this up tonight as well. I want you to just continue for a second here. Now, the G-Force is quite the organization, this private organization that can run school systems, runs prison systems across the world. It messed up royally at the Olympics in Britain, and, uh, and other ones had to come in and help out and so on. They could even organize that properly. But everything in the world is to be privatized, you understand, including your police, everything. And uh, it's just a G-Force now, this private contractor, is to run sexual assault referral centers in Britain now. So that's been uh, privatized too. I'll put this article up tonight to see where it's all going. They're all across the world. They're in lots and lots of prisons. Even in Israel, they're in Israel's prisons too. One article actually says how the G-Force helps Israel break the Geneva Convention. And that's quite an interesting one, too, how they got round it by using a private corporation. That's how they got round it. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and there's Heath on the phone from England. Are you still there, Heath? Hello. Yes. Yeah, Alan, uh, is this Alan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hello, Alan. I've been listening to your show for the past couple of years, and oh. uh, I just want to appreciate, you know, um, all the information that you've been giving to the public. Yeah. Yeah, I'd just like to ask you a question. Um, Given that everything at the moment is um, so problematic, what what are your personal views on um, things, and how, do you see things improving? And what advice can you give to those of us who are uh, alone at the moment, who are trying to wake those around us up, but can't seem to do so? What's your advice? It's I tell you, it's, it's so far gone right now at this stage of it. Um, it's not easy because you've already got generations brainwashed into this new idea of, of the world and the globalization, etc. Uh, the young ones coming up are, they, they really are, compl- it's not even neutral about it, they really are kind of for it, don't really care. Um, so it's very, very hard to get uh, a semblance to realize that your whole culture is deemed to be destroyed. And uh, the head of the EU has said that a few times, uh, that it's the end of national sovereignty which also means it's the end of national culture 
And of course, as you know yourself, to, to raise your head and try to uh, bring back any what you call British or English culture, uh, it's, 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 he comes down like a hammer on you. Uh, and, uh, and there's so many immigrants being brought in all the time to, to further destroy that because a lot, some of these immigrant groups that come in, the government itself is funding some of them to agitate against the English folk, by the way. To further the plan to deculturalize the public, to, to frighten them so they'll simply say nothing at all and let it go ahead. This is for the whole world, though, eventually, you understand. And except one country. But, uh, um, there's no doubt about it. They're so well underway and it's become a holy, a holy thing, this, uh, complete internationalism. And it's not easy to teach. You have to get books out from, from guys in the United Nations. And like, uh, uh, like the, the one that was, uh, Millennium, uh, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order. Um, that book goes through the whole agenda. He actually says that, that eventually only the creme de la creme, those who are at the very, very top of universities will be free to leave the country and get jobs abroad. And they will travel from country to country as required. The rest are be stuck at home. And he actually said the next boat people would even be Americans looking for work abroad and getting turned back. So this is the agenda from the United Nations itself that's being promoted at a very high level. And uh, and they say it's going to bring world peace because you understand they do blame the British folk and other, other European countries for the past wars. This is a big, big stick that they use. And it's the reason that they give amongst each other for having to destroy it. But in reality... So they let another group dominate all of them under this guise too. And that has to be looked into. You'll start to find out what's behind it when you go into writing so quickly and the bankers and the, and the Milner group. You've got to read their history because they caused and they, they boast about it. They actually caused the Boer War. They brought it on. They set it up and World War One and probably World War Two as well. Quite amazing revelations. Yeah. But, but thanks for calling. But don't stop trying. You've got to keep at it because it's the only hope you've got. Uh, you can't just throw the past away and say it never existed. You've got to hold on to who you are. You are all of your ancestors that struggled down through centuries. Absolutely. Yep. But thanks for calling. Yep. And from Hamish from Central Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. God, your God, go with you.